I'm not going to keep us too long today, but um, a couple times a year I like to uh, encourage and teach just on baptism, and I know a lot of us have, uh, have been baptized, and whenever I talk about baptism, I often think of my baptism, and actually Pastor Arnie baptized me down in the, in the Rio Grande River when we were down there doing a, a trip, and uh, one of the, in my journey, when I first got saved, I postponed being baptized for a long time. I didn't really see the necessity of it. I, I hadn't really been taught the uh, theology of it or the meaning, really, of it. It was just something that I knew people had done it. So I had been a Christian uh, quite a few years and um, didn't really understand about baptism. And when we were down in in Mexico, I think Arnie had, had uh, preached on it, and I was moved at that time to be baptized, and so I was. And so it was later in my life, in, in even a, a early in the journey of my Christian walk, that I was. And so I began to study about this, especially when I got into the ministry and started looking at, well, what is, what is baptism? What's the significance of baptism, what's the meaning of it? Why do we do these things in our life? Is there a reason for it? Well, in, in Matthew, and we're going to just read a few verses out of Matthew 28, but we know the Great Commission, uh, verses 18 through 20, which tells us this, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all na nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so we see this great commission, which is the command for his people in this church to go out and, and do these things. And the question sometimes is, is, are we doing this? And as churches, are we teaching this? Because many times, um, baptism in a, in a Christian church is sort of something that's tacked on to the beginning or to the end of a service, sometimes it's a, a second thought, and there's really, like I said, little or no explanation of it. Usually one time a year when I get into it, I, I get a little bit more into the theology, into the actual words of, of meaning. We're not going to be getting into that today. But I want to talk about that baptism as being a significant part of individuals, believers, um, also for the church, but also for non-believers. So baptism touches a bunch of different avenues of people. So first off, I just want to mention that baptism is an act of obedience. So we see what the Bible says. We have read this, and, and some of the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples were this. And there's sort of a, a formula. I would say when Jesus talks about things, he sort of gives us this, this avenue to do it. So he tells us this, that go and make disciples. Well, a disciple is a follower of Christ. So our first priority is to share the gospel with people, leading them to Christ, a personal relationship with Christ. And after that, it says baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then third, it says teaching them to observe all things. So we make disciples, we see baptism, and then we see teaching. And so in our lives, we can see that. We can see that through the gospel message, too, as we look at this. Um, so if for no other reason... Uh, we get baptized or we baptize as a church um, because Jesus has told us to do this. Now there's a story of a, after a devastating 
storm down in Florida, one, I think it was uh, Hurricane Andrew that was there. Uh, a man was cleaning up his yard when a, a reporter approached him. And she said, Sirs, why is your the only house that is standing? How did you manage to escape the severe damage of this hurricane? And he said, I built this house myself. I also built it according to code. When the code called for two by six roof trusses, I used two by six roof trusses. I was told that the house built according to code would withstand the hurricane, and it did. I suppose no one else around here followed the code. See, God gives us his word uh, in direction to them, his word, to give us strength and to, to make us stronger. So when we're obedient to God's word, we can find ourselves in our life stronger in the journeys and in, in the troubles that we face. So when we talk about living by the code, are we living by the code of God's word? Obedience is a, is a characteristic uh, of followers of Christ. So actually the word Christian means Christ follower. So when we're following him, we are being obedient to what his word said. And he says that we need to teach new believers this, to observe everything that I have commanded you. So when we look through the New Testament and we see what Jesus has taught us, we see the principles of God's word, we begin to teach people in those things. So first, it's an act of obedience. Secondly, it's an opportunity to witness. So we probably all heard this saying that it's an outward sign of an inward change. Okay, baptism does not save you. Baptism, you know, isn't something supernatural that it has. It's, it's really a witness to the world. It's a witness to those that are around. So church history indicates that baptism was really the initial possession of faith for the early believers. So as you read through the New Testament, um, they weren't like me where they came to know Christ and then waited a long time and got baptized. When we read through the New Testament, we see that they believed and were baptized. We see families that were baptized uh, almost immediately in their lives. It was just something that was um, maybe expected or just something that was done. And so now we sort of put things off and we've, again, I think sometimes we've minimized it. So the two ordinances that are given to the church is one is the Lord's table, communion. The second is baptism. And I would say the Lord's table's um, easy for individuals to do because everybody else is doing it on a given Sunday. You know, when, you, when you're having the Lord's table, uh, the, the elements are passed, and everybody's doing it, so we do it. Baptism, we sort of get singled out a little bit. So uh, for some of us that don't like attention to ourselves, but again, it's not just about you, it's about the Lord. This is why we do it. Um, but it's more difficult for people because it's almost more of a single act of obedience than we were doing. But we see through the scriptures, it says this. It says, after Philip preached Jesus to the Ethiopian, in Acts 8, uh, the believer's initial request is, what hinders me from being baptized? So the gospel was given to this Ethiopian, and when they came up by some water, he says, there's much water here. What is hindering me from being baptized? And of course, Philip went on and said nothing, and he went down and baptized that man. When the Philippian jailer responded to the preaching of Paul and Silas, he and believing members of his family we're immediately baptized. That's in Acts 16. We can see a lot of these happening through the book of Acts. The same is true of Lydia in Acts 16, Cornelius in Acts 10, and the Corinthians in Acts 18. They were all baptized right after conversion, and there's other stories also in there. 
For these believers, baptism was really a silent witness uh, to what Christ had done in their life, to the expression of their new faith in the new way of life. And so when we think about the silent witness, that's really what it is. You know, we may give a little testimony when we're baptized. We may, you know, talk about our, our faith in Christ. But it's really a silent witness to others. And so it's an opportunity to witness. In Romans 6, 1 through 4, it says our baptism is a witness to the saving work of Christ. So the witness is that, is that this is sort of a picture of what Christ has done for us in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. And so when we think about this as we get baptized, and I know there's some different methods of baptizing, but many times people are laid back, so like the death, burial, and resurrection. And so it's a picture of what Christ has done. And so when we see new believers walking into the, the water, or I should just say believers, when they're going to be baptized, we see them walk into the water, and they go under the water, and all of a sudden they're coming up out of the water, we're seeing what Jesus did to save us. Right? Because he was with us. He was uh, crucified on the cross. He was buried. But he rose again from the dead. And it's a dramatic, really, representation of Christ's work of atonement in our life. And so this is the picture that baptism means. And so when we go through this act of baptism, all we are doing is we are witnessing to what Christ has done for us. Romans 6.3 declares that in salvation we have been baptized into Christ Jesus, baptized into his death. And so the Greek word for this is baptizo. And so when we think of it, it's commonly used um, about dipping cloth into dye. Now, I don't know if any of you are dyed shirts, but when I was young in camp, we used to make tie-dye t-shirts. And so you'd have this white shirt, and then you would, you know, whatever, you'd put designs on it or wrap it in rubber bands. But you would dip it into this dye, and it would come up looking different than when it went in. Isn't it? Isn't that what Christ has done for us in our life? When we accept Christ, we should be looking different in our life than we did prior to our conversion. And so, again, baptism, there's nothing magic about it. It's not like you go underwater and you pop up and, and you're something new. But it's a picture of, of what we are doing. And so uh, another teaching sometimes people say is, well, when you get baptized, your sins are washed away. Well, I, Christ did the taking away of our sins. If, if that was the case, that when we got baptized, our sins were washed away, I think the Gulf of Mexico would be a pretty <laughs> vile place to be because that's sort of where all of our water goes. But, um, but being a new creature in, in Christ Jesus means that our life has changed. And so baptism is a reflection of that also. Uh, as believers adopt this Christ-like character uh, of obedience and as being a witness, the change becomes evident to those that are around us. They begin to see something different in us. They begin to see a change in our life. You know, the Bible tells us, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become no new. So baptism is a witness also to non-believers. And so in, in Joshua 4, 21 at Gilgal, Joshua set up 12 stones from the Jordan River. If you remember reading that or if you've read that story. And the stone served as a memorial of the saving acts of God. What God had done. And it was done in a way to teach subsequent generations about the God who had delivered them. So again, as our witness when we're baptized, 
we are sort of giving the credit to God. It's not about me. It's not about us. Remember, the saving grace is not found in me. It's found in Him. But it's, it's really set up as a memorial. It's saying, this is what God has done for me. So new believers oftentimes will ask friends or families to, to come and to be a part of their baptism service. And when they do that, questions naturally arise. Why, why are you getting baptized? I don't understand. What does this all mean? What is this about? And it gives us that opportunity, again, to witness and to share our faith with those family uh, members. Thirdly, baptism is an open door to the church. And we don't think about this much, and a lot of times in churches today, this isn't even really practiced much anymore. But the early church really took seriously this concept of church membership. And Acts 2.47 tells us, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So in the early church, it tells us that in, in Peter, uh, when Peter preached in, in uh, Acts 2, that those who had repented and received Christ were baptized. And they were baptized also into the church. So we looked at that. It was being baptized into the church. We call that a believer's baptism. So there are, there are denominations that do proxy baptisms. There are uh, denominations that will do infant bat baptism. We believe the Bible where it talks about believer's baptism. He who is believed and is baptized. So we understand everything that we've just talked about. We understand about the atonement, the redemption of Christ. We understand about his death, burial, and resurrection. We comprehend all these things. And so when we are baptized, again, we are making that statement. And so, therefore, the church, when it was made up of those who had been saved, they were then baptized. And so baptism was sort of like a, an initiation or an acceptance into the church. So the requirements for congregational inclusion, I believe still today, and our church has that, you need to have not just the profession, but you also have to have the believer's baptism in your life. And so the local church that, that Jesus really committed these things to had those two ordinances, baptism, again, and the Lord's Supper. So the new believer is making a commitment not only to Christ, but the local church. And that's where it signifies or it gets tied in with the local church. It's sort of like a, a marriage of sorts. And so when we have membership drives or when we have people that want to join and be uh, baptized and they want to become members of the church, we're making like a two-way two commitment, a unilateral uh, commitment to them. Uh, they're not only committing to us as a church saying, I want to be a, a part of this body, but the church is also assuming a responsibility for the new believer. Uh, they're a new family member, and we're glad to have them there. And so being part of that local church uh, means the congregation has a responsibility uh, to include the new believers in the things that they're doing, right? We become a family of God. One reason why I like smaller churches is because we are more personal with one another. We're more intimate with one another. Second thing is to encourage him or her in their personal journey of faith. Okay, we have accountability. So when uh, we have members of churches, we just don't let them run. We, we want to talk with them. And if we, if we see they're struggling, we want to help them. If we see that they're rejoicing, we want to rejoice with them. Doesn't the Bible tell us that? When one member suffers, we all suffer. When one member rejoices, we all rejoice with them. And then we want to support the new believer or brother or sister as a friend. We want to take them in. We want to build that relationship with them. So everyone who's a part of the local fellowship of a church congregation who has experienced this personal salvation 
and this believer's baptism should be one. They should be one in this. It's not only a Baptistic uh, or a Baptist uh, way of thinking, but it's really the, the biblical pattern that we see within God's word. And as long as the church has existed, if you, if you read through church history, um, it, it's deep and it's really good. It shows us a lot of things. But baptism has been a, an integral part of worship. It's not just an event that we do, but it's a, a form of worship that we do. And it's a witness of God's people of what God is still doing in the world today. So we need to be careful to never really lessen the meaning, meaning or the significance uh, of what baptism means. Uh, it should be a time of a celebration, uh, not only for the believers, but, but also for the church. So it's something that we always look forward to. And every time we baptize, we should recognize uh, the importance of this commitment of our faith in walking with the Lord. So um, that's about it for baptism that I just wanted to share. I know a lot of times uh, when we have our annual picnic here. Sometimes we do have the baptisms down there, so it's a, it's a good time to talk about it. I would just encourage you, if you haven't been baptized, uh, have a believer's baptism, and, and you are in a relationship with, with Jesus Christ, that, that you consider it, that you go in the Bible, you study it, and see what it has to offer, because I believe it's an important step in your life. You know, it wasn't until after I was baptized, like I said, I was a Christian for many years, and I was always sort of searching for what God would have me to do. And I really didn't know, you know, I've always liked direction in my life, but it was shortly after the baptism in the next year when I really felt even a call into ministry. It was like God had clarified some things in my life. And, you know, I'm not going to say that it was all that baptism, but I think it's, it's a simple thing that God has called us to do. And the Bible tells us if we're not willing to do the simple things, how can he trust us with maybe some of the greater things? So be faithful to God. Uh, if you have questions about it, again, we have many Christians that would like to sit and talk about it and share about it. Um, but think about those things in your life. And uh, if everyone's been baptized here, well, this is just a good reminder of us that maybe when we're talking to other believers that haven't been, we can probably just share some of this faith with them. So let us uh, close with a word of prayer. Father, again, we just thank you, Lord, for... Um, your scriptures, and we thank you for the word of God that teaches us how we should live. We thank you for the Great Commission. If we would just keep our eyes on that, Lord, of making disciples, leading people to you, Lord, that is the most important thing that we could ever do in our life, is sharing that gospel message with those around us. And Lord, it tells us in a progression of the steps that are next to, to be baptized and to teach them to obey all things. And so, Lord, help us to be faithful in that great commission and that call that you have for us. Help us to be faithful to you in all that you have called us to do. We thank you, Lord, again for the blessing of this day together and just ask your blessing through this afternoon. We pray for the food, Lord. We pray that it will nourish our bodies, that our time of fellowship will be rich and deep. Lord, as we enjoy games and conversation and fellowship outside, Lord, we just thank you for that also. And we pray all these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.